Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I'm your host as always, Alan Ramich, and uh, we have a special guest on. He's been on the show before. Um, my Balkan brother, Ben Mehic. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's going on? Before the show started, we were talking about Joe Exotic. Got me thinking um, if, if a Balkan player from the ex-Yugoslavia region had to become Joe Exotic, who's the most likely guy you could see playing that role? Teodosic, 100%. <laughs> He's got the look down. But I was thinking more like personality-wise. That's a difficult one because I don't think any Balkan family would allow that to happen. <laughs> no, Boban, Boban's a little nutty. Boban Marjanovic is a little nutty. Vladmanovic uh, was a little bit nutty, but like not trying to be funny. He was just kind of weird. <laughs> Remember Vladmanovic? He was. He was I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being slanderous by saying this, but I don't know if I'm making this up. You'd know because you're a Laker fan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he the guy who slipped and fell like getting coffee or something? Or he said he slipped and fell getting coffee, but he was really like a ski accident. Yeah, that's the most Balkan thing ever. And he had the most (laughs) guilty conscience. He told on himself. I'm pretty sure. Like they didn't even investigate it. They were like, "Yeah, you fell. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Sit sit out however long you need to." And then he just had a guilty conscience and told on himself. I'm pretty sure. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if his mother forced him. <laughs> Beat him until the truth. I definitely. I think you'd have Marianovic's personality in Teodosic's body. Wow. You have Joe Exotic in the Balkans. <laughs> That's true. So we decided we're going to create an episode today where in by. We're going to talk about, obviously, we're very biased through him. We believe the best exports from outside of America to the NBA came from the ex-Yugoslavia. And I feel like it's been a, it's a part of the world and the part of the NBA that's not really touched upon a lot. You hear a lot about NBA Africa, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, they're trying to further the game in Asia and different countries in Europe, but they don't really talk about the heritage that they have within the ex-Yugoslavia. What do you think, Ben? I feel like we're just as important to the NBA. And the, the success of the NBA and the success that the European players have had is anywhere else in the world is really. I think that's true. And I think NBA insiders, the guys who run teams, the men and women who run teams and, 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 the, and the people who analyze the game from an international perspective, like Fran Franchilla, I've interviewed a handful of times and talked to him and um, just off the record about ex-Yugoslavia and, and the players that they've developed. Um, post-war and everyone seems to agree that um you know aside from spain france and 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 those international european countries that um have produced those elite players um yugoslavia is probably right up there if not higher than them i mean nowadays obviously it's been more highlighted with luka and and nikola jokic out in denver but I mean, they've been producing top-notch talent for decades now. And you, I think you're right to say that probably haven't gotten enough credit for producing that talent, not enough um, publicity for it. But in terms of, you know, scouting and um, the assessment given from from legitimate, credible journalists who cover the game um, day in and day out, um, I, I think everyone has a good understanding that former Yugoslavia produces probably – if not the best, some of the best um, European talent, if not international talent, uh, it, like in total. It's a it's a hotbed of basketball, I would say. It definitely is. Just think about a, con- a, a collection of countries that maybe totals twenty million to create as many NBA top talents as we have: the all stars, the near all stars, the NBA champions, the legends of the game. It's amazing. Yeah, and and it's not even the stars. I mean, obviously, like we we know the stars and that have come and come and gone. The Vladivostoks, Bajistakovic's of the world, the Dajan Patrick's of the world. But I mean, I can't remember a time since I've started watching basketball where there wasn't a good contingency of those players in the league, just as role players, fringe NBA guys. 
um, mid-level starters, rotation guys, they've always been around. You know, you think of the, you know, like even the, like Marko Jadic's of the world, like those, Sasha Pavlic, Sasha Vujacic, Radmanovic we mentioned earlier, these guys who are getting consistent minutes, they've always been around. And nowadays, obviously, there's more of them than ever with the Dragic's of, of the world, uh, Bialic's of the world, both Bogdanovic's who aren't related. I always have to tell my American friends, Boyan and Bogdan are not related. They're not from the same area. But one's from Mostar, the other's from Belgrade. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's so fascinating to think about. Like, and I feel like it's finally time. I feel like we're very well positioned. You know, I feel like we're very biased towards that area of the world as well. But I feel like we're very well positioned to like highlight these amazing players and, you know, the trade, I feel like honestly, the, the, the Balkan players were the trailblazers for European players in the NBA. Because if you look at the Divatsis, the Petrovic's, the Rajas, the, the Kukoc's of the world, these were the guys who made the first step to the NBA before anyone else did in Europe, really. And without those guys, yeah, sure, you'd have, you know, migration over, but I'm sure you'll agree with me. I don't. I feel like it might have been a success eventually, but these guys absolutely fast tracked the process as well. Yeah, I mean, there's like a direct line connecting the guys you just mentioned to the players we just that are taking over the league now that are all NBA level guys like Luca and and Jokic. There's a direct line connecting the Petriches and Divatses of the world to the players that are dominating the league today. And having interviewed Luca and talked to him about. This sort of thing. I mean, he watches Dajan Petrovic tape now, you know, just as much as he does LeBron and Kobe and, and the players that really influence this game. You know, players who are dominating the league now have a really good understanding that the players that came before them paved the way. And you can watch it in their games. I mean, we talked about Divac a bit. Jokic has a lot of Divac's mannerisms, um, especially from the past. Especially in the passing exactly. game. I mean, the passing game. We talk about, you know, Jokic and and Sabonis as being, you know, the best passing bigs in the ever. But, you know, Divac was probably right up there with those guys. And, and we watched the movement and the fluidity and, and the way Petrovic played. Um, you know, uh, Luca told me that, you know, he got a lot of his mannerisms from just watching tape. So that doesn't, that isn't lost on the players that are currently in the NBA, which is, I think, a good thing because, you know, as people who cover the NBA, like me and you do, I try to, um, you know, publicize these guys as much as I can. And, um, you know, when I had the chance to interview Luca when he was drafted, um, my all, my entire piece was based on his lineage and where he came from and the influence Trajan had on his game. So, I, I mean, me and you do a really good job and other guys do of, of um, you know, publicizing their the influence the former Yugoslavia had on the current players. But, you know, I think it's also important to note that um, they do a really good job publicizing ex-Yugoslavia just through their games, you know. And I, like, you're right that I, I wish that the American media would highlight that a bit more, the Petriches of the world and, and their influence on the modern basketball. Because, I mean, you throw a Petrich in, in, in today's league and he's, you know, right up there with some of the best guards in the NBA. So He's a top five player. Easily, yeah. <laughs> You know, like we talk about the James Hardens, the Steph Currys. Petrovic was Curry before Curry. And I know that's a very um uh controversial statement to make because of how good Steph Curry is. Um when you drop sixty points on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, you are definitely a bona fide star in the NBA. <laughs> that's that's the and, way I and see it. And I think the most um, you know, credit that you can give him comes from the players that have played against him, Reggie Miller, who is what top two, three, maybe top five without a doubt shooter ever, um, says that Drajan was the best three point shooter he's ever he's ever seen. You know, these are still says it even with Curry, he still maintains it. Yeah, so I think you know it, it, the credit that they've been given by NBA Hall of Famers, you know, students of the game, I think is a testament to how much influence these players had on today's league. And, you know, it, personally, you know, like we said, I think we are a little bit biased because, you know, of our heritage and we're very proud of our heritage. But at the same time, we wouldn't be proud unless there was something to be proud of. 
and like we've said, the lineage that you can see from the ex-Yugoslavia, players like Divac not only influence players like Jokic, they influence players like right. Pau Gasol in the way that Pau Gasol played the game. You know, like the, the the Lakers have always had the passing big guy. So for Lakers fans, it was really easy to see the similarities between Divac and Gasol. But like, not not many people would, you know, connect the two. But I'm very thankful that I've seen, you know, both, you know, where obviously Divac through, you know, YouTube and NBA, you know, four games that happened before I was born. But at the same time, there's a lot of similarities there. So they paved the way not only for the ex-Yugoslavian players, but for European players in general. Because as we talked about, your uh, ex-Yugoslavian coaches are everywhere because of how important they've been to basketball and how big the impact they've made on basketball is. Yeah, and there's there's a notion that, you know, especially Serbian coaches are probably some of the toughest coaches in, in, in the world. And you, you're uh, Greg Popovich, who is probably, you know, regarded as being the best NBA coach ever, potentially. He gets most of his influence from, you know, ex-Yugoslavian basketball, and he talks about it ad nauseum without being prompted about it. He talks about it um, often. You know, I, I was watching interviews with Popovich, just random ones where he mentions the influence he's got from watching former Yugoslavian coaches. Not many people know, I'm sure you know, but Popovic and Željko Bradovic, who for our American audience is the head coach of Fenerbahce basketball team. And he is the, in my opinion, and in a lot of opinions um, around Europe, he is the greatest European coach ever. Him and Popovic are very good friends and they constantly meet and talk and discuss how you know, what plays to use, how to play the game of basketball. So that shows me, obviously, Popovich with his lineage has, you know, ties back to the ex-Yugoslavia, which helps. But at the same time, when a brain like that is, you know, openly complimenting guys and coaches from that area of the world, that that's that screams volumes to me anyway. Yeah, and you can you see, I mean, we talked about this offer a bit and the influence that... Yugoslavian basketball had in modern basketball, just in the style of play, the fast-paced, three-point oriented, um, team-oriented style that's you know prominent in the league today. The style that um, you know that the that the 07 Suns were implementing that you know they're regarded as one of the pioneers. But in reality, um, you know Mike D'Antoni was taking much of his system from you know what he saw from in his time in Europe and you know, studying the game, studying Yugoslavian basketball. So, you know, it's obviously there's a degree of separation and everything, but here it's a lot closer than I think a lot of people um, give Yugoslavian basketball credit for. We do, like you said, just given that we're biased and we're from the region, um, you know, it's a small region, so you notice it everywhere. You know, we care about the Janan Musas of the world, um, when in reality, you know, most people probably don't, but we follow these guys' careers because we're biased and I think it's easier for us to see that influence, but you know, the degrees of separation there, I don't think are too, too terrible. You know, it's, it's, it's very close and you can see that the, the influence is very much um, in the way the game is played. It doesn't take much analysis and a deep dive, so to speak. You can, you can see it just comparatively, you know, watching a YouTube video from ex Yugoslavian basketball and, and um, you know, watching how the Warriors played very, very similar styles there, I'd say. No, and I absolutely agree. So what what me and Ben have done is we've created our our top five list of the best players we think have emanated from um, that area of the world. Um, Ben, you can start. I'll just say me and Ben collated our lists a bit differently. Ben went for what he believes is pure talent. I looked at career, so I have left off one person that he's kept on. Um, So... we'll explain why you know like but at the same time i just wanted to give a little bit of an introduction so ben without further ado please tell us your your top five players you think have ever so i'll I'll go five up um i'll go in reverse order um five i got tony kukwich we talked uh, a bit off the air about this too a guy who fit perfectly into his role as a six man as a complimentary piece um clearly had starred type talent, but wasn't asked to play that sort of role when you're playing with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and even Dennis Rodman there. Um, the personalities on that team, 
um, the level of stardom that's unmatched even by the 73-win Warrior team. Um, you know, Jordan's obviously impact in the game of basketball is, exceeds any others. Um, the fact that he blended in there, contributed as much as he did, probably took away from what he could have done had he had he had his own team. I compare him probably to like a Manu Ginobili type in the sense that um, we have to wonder what if um, he had his own team, how good he would have been. But the talent's undeniable. 6'11", there's nothing he can't do on the floor. Pass, shoot the ball, um, point forward type guy. There's not even a lot of those guys in the NBA today. Um, so I, I have him at five, followed by Petr Stojakovic, another guy you could throw in the NBA now and him be an elite scorer overnight. Limitless range, second-team All-NBA guy, um, probably a top three small forward or, or scorer in the league during his prime. And then after Peja, I have um, some modern talent mixed in. Nikola Jokic, perennial MVP candidate, um, all that first-team All-NBA guy, probably the best center in the NBA, best passing ever. Burek boy, Burek the, boy, he should accept that and run with it. Print out T-shirts, buy one. Well, make T-shirts, <laughs> make I'll t-shirt. buy a Black Boy T-shirt. Like, embrace it. You know what I mean? Like, we see you out here dragging those poor horses around. Like, y'all could you have no business <laughs> getting dragged by that poor horse? We love we it. Love we it, love it, but it. the we poor horse it. definitely doesn't. Um, he's the most he's the most Serbian guy of all time. He's just missing the cigarette on the court. Um, and and some rakia if he wants to throw in more Balkan. Uh, flavor in there but yeah he's he's you know unquestionably probably the best passing big man ever one of the best centers in the league if not the best center and here's where it gets a little dicey for me after Jokic at three I have Luka Doncic obviously he's only 20 years old we've only seen a season and a half I guess now that the season's been short and we'll see what happens with that but you know from my recollection he was averaging close to 30 points a game nine rebounds nine assists I mean that's that's undeniable. I mean, his talent. I mean, everyone, I think everyone who followed basketball understood that he was going to be really good in the NBA. I was a little worried that he wouldn't match up athletically really well. Obviously, I wasn't, I was wrong there. Um, he's exceeded probably everyone's expectations. I don't know if anybody expected him to put up LeBron type numbers at 20 years old, as efficient as he is. Um, and his talent is, uh, I mean, I talked to Fran Fraschilla about him ad nauseum and Fran covered the NBA and Yugoslavian basketball and all of this for, for decades. And he says he's never seen a European player as high of an IQ as Luca at that age and how quickly he understands the game and how easy it comes to him. Um, he's obviously a spectacular talent. And I think if he keeps going on this trajectory, He'll undeniably be the best Yugoslavian player of all time, but probably the best European player of all time. And right ahead of Luka, I have Dražen Petrovic. Um, no explanation needed. Um, the biggest star Yugoslavia has ever produced. Um, probably the best European guard to ever play. His career was tragically cut short, but um, you know that doesn't take away from the fact that he... Even the few short years of his prime that we got to see in the NBA, um, unquestionably one of the best scorers in NBA basketball history, one of the greatest basketball players ever. And, you know, we talked a little bit off air about, you know, how Jordan's going to maintain the throne for the generation before us and LeBron will maintain the throne um, for the, our generation. Dajan's going to have the throne, you know, potentially forever for those coming out of ex-Yugoslavia. So that's my list. I got Kukoc 5. Peja four, Jokic three, Luka two, and then Draja number one. Um, obviously, there's one glaring uh, um, absentee from my list, but we'll get to that once we once we get to your list. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. <laughs> I, I joke. I joke. Uh. So just a quick story on Kukoc. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the open court with Steve Kerr on it, um, where Steve Kerr talks about um, Kukoc's first game in the NBA. So it's about six hours before they are um, they are about to tip off. So obviously they go for their pre-game meal. Um, Steve Kerr gets something like like a pasta or something like that. 
And then Kukoc gets first he has soup, which as if if you're from the ex Yugoslavia, you will know you have Breakfast. soup before every single meal. It, without fail. It, it it's literally you have to have it. If you don't, there's something wrong with you that day. God's honest truth. So he has soup, then he has like a steak and like potatoes and rice, and he has a huge meal. He has a cheesecake or something. Yeah, he, he drinks like three uh, three glasses of wine during this, and then he finishes it all off with an espresso. So they're going back to the hotel, and Steve Kerr asks him, "So, Tony, how did you eat so much?" And you know, so then Tony Kukoc in his greatness goes in. In Yugoslavia, we eat well, we drink coffee, we have big shit, we nap, <laughs> and then we go play basketball. <laughs> and I feel like that just sums up the ex-Yugoslavia yeah, yeah, perfectly. Yeah, I mean, anyone ever says, can you <laughs> describe ex-Yugoslavia in a, in, a, in a sentence? You can just give them that Tony Kukoc quote. It's great, isn't it? Uh, And not many people know about that story. Um, So whenever I can, just throw it out there. And I feel like this is more up than ever. Um, But I'll just go to my list now. Um, We have a lot of the same names, obviously. I've not included Luca in there yet. But I've not included Luca because I've gone on totality of career. And unquestionably, Luca will be either second or first in that list dependent on how well his career goes, you know, touch wood that, you know, it continues on this career path as it is because he's so phenomenal to watch. Um, so I have Stojakovic, I have Jokic, I have Divac, I have Kukoc, and then I have Petrovic. I have Divac at three because he was the original trailblazer. He was the guy that, you know, like, like we touched on earlier, he was the passing, he was the first real passing big guy Made that was passed like a guard, and without him, I don't feel like you have. As I mean, I think Jokic would still play in the NBA. I think he'd still be a very good player, but he wouldn't be this type of player. I don't know what you think about that, but I definitely think without Divac's influence, we lose some of this amazingness. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the um, the influence is is apparent in the way they play. I don't know if he would have been influenced by some other player that has a similar style. I'm sure there would have been other centers who passed like him, but given that they're both Serbian, obviously I think he was well aware of Divac's game and studied him and obviously took a ton of um, his skill set and applied it and made it his own and, and made it better. Um, obviously he has an outside shot and whatnot, so their their games are a bit different, but you know the influence is there. And like, we, like you said earlier, Divac's influence probably on someone like Marcus Saul um, is evident too when Marcus Gasol in his prime was arguably the best center in the game and even guys like um, Joakim Noah his passing ability um, probably by, by Vlada Divac too so absolutely you know ad nauseum we can talk about how much influence these guys have had but you know probably more than anyone Divac has had an impact on the way players have and positionally too centers now can be expected to have somewhat competence in, in distributing the ball and that's probably you know, not, if not mostly due to Divac, definitely a great portion of that can be attributed to the fact that Divac helped pioneer that that part of the game. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And for for the American listeners who might not know who Drajan Petrovic is, I will put a link in the description of the the uh, the podcast and just watch it. Just watch this guy play basketball. There's a reason they called him Mozart in Europe. <laughs> this guy, and I, I still maintain it, is the best shooter I've ever seen, you know, on tape, in game. Um, he didn't have a green light that Steph Curry did because the NBA was so different back then. But I guarantee if he had that type of green light, he would be, he would have been doing the same type of stuff Steph Curry did. He was the hardest worker, apparently, out of any Yugoslavian player, out of any player in general that people have seen. He was just motivated. He was so mad to be great in this game. And I think the greatest thing to show how good a scorer he was, he scored 112 points in one game in Europe. And I know people go, it's Europe. A, to score 112 points in any game is ridiculous. 
to do it for playing for Real Madrid is even crazier. And to do it in Europe where it's 40 minute for it's a 40 minute game and wherein by you, you have automatically less shots, you have eight minutes less. And to do it, I think he shot over 50% doing it as well. So to do it with efficiency as well is ridiculous. And I, I'm, you know, on one hand, I'm very upset that we didn't get to see Petrovic, you know, go into his prime and become this all-star, all-NBA player that we all know he could have been. But at the same time, I'm happy he still gets recognition from like top NBA Hall of Famers like you touched on that this guy is legitimately the greatest shooter they've ever seen. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I obviously am much... Um, he was well ahead of me, even though I, I, he died in the 90s. I was born in 96. Um, I missed you know, watching him live and um, didn't grow up watching Patrick obviously, but... Um, you know, as I became a basketball fan, as I started learning about the history of Yugoslavian basketball, just really basketball history in general, um, you know, it's, it's easy to come to know that he's, you know, one of the greatest European players to ever live. And it is a shame that we didn't see him become that perennial all-star and, um, potentially an MVP. Um, type player in the NBA because, you know, I think probably the saddest thing about that is, you know, home, we see the speed of the evolution of the game that, um, this sort of influence has had on, on the region and in Europe in general. But, you know, had he become an MVP or that type of player in the NBA, you can only imagine how the, how much faster the game would have evolved in that region, you know, just given his, the more popular he would have become, the better he would have played, the more influence it would have made on that region and in Europe in general. So I, that's probably the saddest thing about it is the fact that um, he wasn't able to influence more people. The games that were taken away, um, you know, the Once Brothers documentary did a pretty good job of summarizing the legacy and, and the fallout he had with Vlad and uh, obviously the tragedies that transpired after. But, um, you know, I, I hope that one day, um, you know, he gets the recognition he deserves. Obviously, being in the Hall of Fame helps, but you know, so I don't know what the NBA could do more to highlight his impact on the game and what he what he did for the sport. But um, you know, it's my hope that somebody does something. Um, I think it'll. I think it, in Europe, it's very recognized how good he is, how good he was. Sorry. Um, and how much influence the game. But I feel like the time we start seeing more European guys in front offices of the NBA and, you know, we start getting more European head coaches in the NBA as well. I feel like that's when we'll start to see the true, you know, recognition of how good this guy was. Because, you know, like, like I said, if you go and watch a tape of Drajan Petrovic, you can see moves that Steph Curry does now, you know, like, and that's no disrespect to Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is phenomenal. If anything, that's credit to Steph Curry. But, you know, because like, like a lot of the American listeners that listen to this podcast, um, like, like I said, we're very biased and we've been exposed to this type of player. But in America, it's a very sheltered life of basketball. It's the NBA and that's it. When you come from a, a world where Ben can attest to this as well, when you come from a world where you, you're exposed to different types of basketball and, and the NBA is not the be all and end all and you see these players. Um, not that the NBA is not very important. It is, it, it gives you a different perspective of basketball as well. And, um, I'm not saying that it makes it better or anything. I'm just saying it exposes you to more basketball and it exposes you to more players that you might not have been aware of in, you know, in past. And I think, like um, it's changing a bit here too. Just, you know, having lived in the United States for the majority of my life. Um, you know, I think there was once, uh, a perception of European players. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know if if ex-Yugoslavian players were you ever even hindered with that soft type label, because you know you get the the Pedro Antiches of the world who look like they'll kick your head off and 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 yeah, Vlad definitely, definitely was. They called Vlad the ultimate. Yeah, they did, the and he influenced the game, I guess, in that in that regard too. But um, I don't. I think Americans and just the NBA fans in general maybe are a lot are a lot more open now to the idea of um, an ex-Yugoslavian player than they were, 
you know, 15 years ago or whatever the case may be where, you know, they were probably hesitant. This guy might be soft, um, not as athletic, not as skilled, whatever the case may be, bust. Um, you know, Milicic obviously didn't do anyone favors um, <laughs> by being probably, if not the biggest bust in NBA history, just in relation to where he was picked, um, one of the top two or three biggest busts. But I think Luka and Jokic and all these guys, the role players that we mentioned, the Bogdanoviches and, and the Dragiches and the Bielitsas of the world who've really opened the doors for even nowadays, they're still opening doors. And I think they've, they're changing the perception um, that, that Americans and, and I think NBA fans in general might have of European players. And I think they're, I think what isn't most of the NBA, um, foreign born nowadays, or did I just make that up? I might, that might have been a bad fact. I might have just made up. There is a lot of foreign born players now. There is a lot now. It, it, it's getting, it's getting to that point where. You go through a team and there's barely any team that doesn't have at least one foreign player in there. I mean, you look at the guy. In the case of Sacramento, I mean, you have yeah, like I think, you know, oh, man, we can talk a little bit about that if you want, but uh, I know you're a Vlada fan, but I just can't believe um, what the, maybe you might have more insight. You probably do. I mean, I talked to Luca right after he was drafted and, um, you know, he was bummed, obviously. He didn't go to Phoenix because he was being coached. He could have been coached by the Slovenian uh, national team coach at that time. But he seemed a little bit more hurt by or, or Sacramento passing on him, too. You know, obviously, given the influence that Vlade has on the team and Peja have on the team, they literally quite literally run the basketball operations of that team. But that was Marvin Bagley, who was the prototypical American basketball prospect, played at a power, um, power bas- college basketball team, um, played AAU all throughout his life, was just a prototypical high-level college basketball athlete. And here's Vlade, who was the pioneer for European basketball, the first ex-Yugoslavian player to come in the NBA. And he passed on Luka, which is still mind-boggling to me, and I think kind of hurt him and, and was mind-boggling to him too. And, and to think that it could have paired him with with uh, Darren Fox and, and the guys that they have there, and Bogdanovich and Bielsa, and they probably could have been a playoff team if they had Luka. But what, I don't know. Maybe this is too off topic for you. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe you have more insight as to why why Vlade made the biggest mistake of his you know executive career. Um, uh, I, I feel like with decisions like that, as much as you have Vlade and Stojakovic, um, it's still a bit of an unknown drafting a European guy as much as, you know, as much as we are sure about them. Like you said, it, it, you weren't sure yourself whether they would translate over to the next level, especially athletically. Um, obviously, we see that that's BS now and he's done fantastically well. Um, but at the same time, it's, I feel like there was a lot of influence from, this is just from hearsay, um, take it with a pinch of salt. I think there was a lot of influence from the analytics department and the ownership group that they really liked Marvin Bagley. And so Marvin Bagley was taken. And as we know in Sacramento, it is a dysfunctional mess at times. Um, I think it's gotten better. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Divas knows that Doncic should have been the pick. I feel like Stojakovic knows that Doncic should have been the pick. And I think that they now wish that, you know, they had, you know, they had a little bit more courage to like just be, have their convictions and be like, no, we're taking Doncic. You know, who cares? I think it's crazy to me because they, yeah. they traded for Bogdanovic. I think that's probably the first move he made as a GM. Maybe I'm wrong, but got Bogdanovich relatively quick, quickly into his, his career as as the executive in Sacramento and then convinced Bielsa. And Bielsa had a verbal commitment to Philadelphia, backed out, was going back overseas, and then had a chat with Divac, and he gave him a decent amount to stay in America and play for him. So, I mean, he, he, he certainly has influence um, over t- decision-making there. Um, a lot of influence in the, in the sense that it's impacted you know, uh, ex-Yugoslavian players. It opened doors for them and given them opportunities. So that was weird to me. Obviously, there's been reports about him not getting along with Luca's father, and maybe that influenced him in taking Marvin. 
I, I assumed it was, but it, I, I, I thought it was the most Balkan thing ever because I could see my dad doing anything. You know, if my, if my dad, <laughs> you know, if Michael Jordan's dad like caught caught my dad off on on, on the road, and my dad would have held that against Michael Jordan. You know, he would have been like, "I'm not taking you because your dad cut me off on the road 30 years ago." You know what I mean? Like it's the most Balkan thing ever. <laughs> So I don't know. I, obviously, we're we're joking about that and um, hoping it's not true, but it's not that far from. It's not that far fetched if we really, if we're gonna be honest. And going to Phoenix, um, just some stuff that I heard. Obviously, they liked DeAndre in a lot, and he went to college in Arizona, which helped. Um, but I heard Kokoshkov was really, really upset that they, that they did not pick Doncic. Um, and it was a big, it was a big factor in him letting him getting let go of a season and where is he his going head around? coaching tenure. Um, the disagreement they had. He's the head, he's the associate head coach yeah, I know, of I know. Sacramento. So he's the yeah, man, like they, they hoard these guys and I know from a, for a fact he was upset about that. Um, obviously, he loves Luca, and I'm pretty sure he named his son after Luca. Like they have a really, really tight relationship. What's that? He did. Yeah, like he has he a did, really, did, really strong did. relationship with them. Um, obviously had ties there. That bummed me out. I, you know, my American friends were telling me DeAndre was the next Shaq and whatnot. Um, obviously, he's a really, really good NBA center and probably underrated. I don't know how you feel about that, but the numbers he puts up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Luca kind of, you know, ruined it for all, like a lot of the guys that came after him. Even Trey Young, probably, you know, a tad bit. Doesn't get exactly. the recognition because he's not exactly. So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, it's 2020, of course, but I know for a fact there's a lot of um, great basketball minds out there with influence who would have taken Luca number one. So, maybe my past point of Americans are still op- may- maybe more open to European players and extra assignment players. Maybe that's, maybe that's wrong after all. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's they see more of these American players on up front. It's it's a it's it's different when it's like Porzingis and you draft him fourth, or when it's Luca and you draft him third. Do you know what I mean? It's not the number one pick. Um, so it's it's very much different in the fact that you know you can sort of get away with third, fourth, fifth. Do you know what I mean? That's where it becomes more of a crapshoot in the draft, as we've seen. You know, it's not it's not really you know the the next big, you know, next shark or whatever you, you know, whatever label they use next in the draft, whatever player. Um, and what I find really interesting is, uh, obviously, we both know that Kokoshkov was upset. I don't get Phoenix hiring Kokoshkov if you don't draft Luka. I really don't. I think it's a stupid move. Yeah, none of it, none of it made sense to me. Um, the, it was a perfect fit, obviously, there with Devin Booker. I mean... You can just that's that I mean that's court, probably man. the I mean not probably that's the that's the best young backcourt in the NBA by far you know in the NBA. by far and they 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 really shot themselves in the foot uh, and it just shows like you know as, as many smart guys as there are in the NBA there's a lot of and I think people well. you know within the NBA decision makers especially overthink and talk themselves out of players I did that with Luca. like obviously the talent was undeniable the 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 it factor the star that he was oozing star potential I mean this kid the, the buzzer beaters the the game winners the the highlights everything you know even honestly the, the way he dribbled everything you can just Watch him, and, and it's undeniable that he's a star. But you talk yourself out of guys. Like, I was talking myself and getting worried about him because I was like, you know, how is he going to guard the LeBron James of the world? Is he quick enough? Uh, you know, can, is he, is he, can he jump high enough? Um, you know, how is he going to hold up on defense? Is, are the offensive variables going to – is he going to be that good offensively to offset his defensive liabilities? You, know, you could talk yourself out of guys and, you know, NBA executives – despite the analytics and the advanced stats and the, and the gurus that they have in the offices with them, 
it's it's really easy to talk yourself out of a player, especially when you know for some reason you know you obviously want. I think it helps with yeah. Dallas though having. I think it helps a lot having with the Mavericks having Dirk Nowitzki for twenty plus years, where it's that like yeah we don't care we know these European guys are just as good as the Americans if not better, you know like so I feel like that helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dirk. I mean, we can go on and on about a bunch of the European guys who've had, um, you know, a tremendous amount of influence on the way the game is played now. Let's let's um, touch on, you know, we've we've mentioned who you, who you think's the best. Um, let, let's touch on some of your favorite players. You know, that maybe not being the best, but you know, you have a more personal attachment to. You know, we, um, Toletovic probably is right up there for me. Just him being Bosnian, me being Bosnian is probably, you know, the most, I don't know. Number one for both of us. I mean, he's probably <laughs> the, you know, highest caliber NBA player that, you know, Bosnia has produced. You know what I mean? Um, at least of Bosnian ethnic. And then who's right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I loved his game just because having played basketball, I'm a taller guy, at least conventionally speaking, you know, compared to, I guess, the average person. And I would, you know, people would always ask me to play inside, but I loved shooting threes. And Mirza was a similar guy. Or Jason Kidd said he's got parking lot range. Um, and that was true. And we never really got to see him blood cuts, cut his career short. But, you know, in today's NBA, he's a guy who could give you you know, 18, 19 points a game easily, um, just shooting the ball, being a stretch for a lights out guy like Davis Bertans has become in Washington, who I've, who I've covered this season. Um, you know, tell it, which is up there. My brother's a huge Lakers fan too. So, um, he loved Sasha Vujacic. He was another fiery ex Hugo guy, um, loved by Kobe too. So that didn't hurt. Um, Loved him growing up. Uh, Peja, obviously, just the star that he was, the influence he had on just me playing basketball, too. Um, who else comes to mind? Um, I don't know. What, what do you got? So, for me, my favorite, and I mentioned it to you before we started recording, was um, was Divac. Um, again, being a diehard Laker fan, him being the real ex-Yugos, first ex-Yugoslavian player in the NBA, in playing for the franchise that, you know, that I support. I feel like that makes a huge difference. Um, obviously, Talejtovic, you know, for Bosnia, he like you said, he was that trailblazer. He was that first guy that we saw from Bosnia who, well, the first guy from Bosnia who played for Bosnia, our lad, um, who trailblazed the path. Um, then you have Nurkic, who is this after Lid is the most important player on the Trailblazers. I fully believe that. I feel like without Nurkic, they lose that fire, that intensity. He's basically the heart and soul of that team after Dame. And he's a very, very, he's a borderline all star as well. I think he's better than the likes of Rudy Gobert. No disrespect to Rudy, who I think is fantastic. But I think Nurkic, if he was healthy this year, that all-star place would have gone to him instead of a player like Gobert. That's how good I think Nurkic is. Um, and then favourites, like yeah, being a Laker fan, Sasha Vujicic, obviously. Um, even Zubats was, uh, you know, at the Lakers until we gave him away for, you know, Mike Mascala. Don't get me started on that. Um, and, yeah, Boyan Bogdanovic as well. Uh, I love Dario Saric. Saric is a really, really good player. And my favorite um, player who didn't make it in the NBA was Teodosic. We touched on Teodosic a bit before we started recording. Um, Milos Teodosic, for people who didn't watch him in Europe before he came to the NBA, was, is, and I've, I think you can attest this too, is probably the best passer I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was... Um... He's so creative. Um, I was, I was, I was someone who wanted him in the NBA long before he came. He came in his mid thirties, I think, he's thirty three or something like that, thirty four maybe even. Um, you know, the fit we talked about before uh, with the Clippers probably wasn't the best in hindsight. 
think Lou Williams was already there or had just came from the Lakers. Um, so there was a heavy guard play there. He was, was getting sporadic minutes off the bench, and at the end there, wasn't even playing. Um, so he transitioned late in his career, but you know, in his prime, especially for those Serbian national teams, I mean, he was he was amazing watching him go up against the Kyrie Irvings of the world. Um, and you can tell on talent-wise, especially from a passing standpoint, was better than than elite NBA players and all NBA type guys. I mean, he was that good of a passer. Um, and you mentioned Bogdanovich Boyan too. Um, he's someone who, you know, him being a number one option in the NBA probably isn't ideal, but um, you know, he's someone who could give you thirty points easily any on any given night. I've seen him carry the Jazz. I've seen him carry the any team he's been on. He's that good, and he's a guy who doesn't rely on athleticism, just pure skill, um, deadly outside shot, knows how to, um, you know, get inside, uh, use his body really well. Uh, maintain leverage that way. He's just, you know, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal scorer. We talked about Bogdan Bogdanovich a bit too. Um, so there's, there's a slew of guys that, um, you know, it's hard to even keep up with nowadays, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of guys like, look, it's funny because, you know, Boban's probably the most famous guy out of, out of all, everyone, you know, even Rupa, to be honest with you, like Boban's a viral hit. He's a viral sensation. Oh, and it's it's fascinating because you know, like you said, there's so many guys like the likes of Marco Guduric, who's a phenomenal player, who's you know on the bench in Memphis playing you know ten to fifteen minutes a game, who was a star in Europe, and and it's it's the depth, and this is where we get onto the last topic that I wanted to touch on. Um, having a twelve man national team, if if Yugoslavia never broke up, I feel like is the most difficult thing. You could yeah, me and my brother have done this. We do this like every year, really, because they just keep coming, you know. Um, and you'd have to leave legitimate role players off the team. Um, you know, they have all-star big men on this team that you'd put up. I don't know if you want to just go down the list of guys that are locks on the team or fringe guys or if that team could compete with the Team USA. I mean, like Serbia has been to World Championship finals. Um, obviously, it weren't that and yeah, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they weren't that competitive against the USA. But you look at that roster, and I mean, ninety percent of the guys on that Serbian roster wouldn't be on a Yugoslavian roster. No, they wouldn't. Which is the crazy thing. Well, in my opinion, you have like nine locks. Um, so you have uh, Doncic, you have Dragic, you have both Bogdanovic's. You have Jokic, you have Nurkic, you have Vucevic, you have Saric, and then I'd I'd, I'd still have Teodosic as a lot because he just won regular season MVP in his first year in Bologna. Like those are the nine locks for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, those are the nine definitely. Probably throw that. like Delta in there, Shadic in there. I mean, those are all again legit role players in the NBA. Um, and that probably rounds out your team. I think we might have one more one more roster spot there. Throw it to someone like Musa just to give him <laughs> some experience in a team yeah. like that. <laughs> Lord knows he needs length. That's our bias. That's our bias showing there. But like, and and what do you think? Could do you think a team like that could rival the USA? Because I feel like they absolutely could, especially with the all-star power that you have with Doncic and Jokic and then Vucevic as well, who's an all-star, and then Nurkic. Your free centers I mean, are probably better than any yeah, free centers. You know what I mean? I mean, look, if, if Luka continues going on this trajectory and, and Jokic maintains his place as probably the best center in the NBA, you could have two of the best positional players in the NBA on one team. Um, Luka, arguably the best player on the, either of those teams depending on, you know, at what point this hypothetical is occurring. Um, and then you have guys like Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's an elite scorer. You mentioned Vucevic, who's a borderline all-star. Uh, Nurkic, borderline all-star. Dragic, who's still um, a really good point guard in the NBA. He exactly. And I think he was an all-NBA player. Uh, they gave him an all-NBA he was an all-NBA player, but he wasn't yeah, an all-star. Yeah, they've done this a handful of times. 
um, to make up for the fact. But yeah, I mean, the team, the team's absolutely loaded. I mean, we forgot Mirotic too, again. <laughs> and he's a guy who was coveted in the NBA yeah. and, um, you know, another 15, 17, 18 point per game scorer at, at that level. Um, and then you have fringe guys who we didn't really talk about. Um, you know, the Hezonas of the world who are still in the NBA, the Benders of the world. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Is, is, um, is, is Ante Zizic, I mean, he's probably, that's a guy who's getting NBA minutes probably wouldn't even make the cut, you know? So you'd have a ton of, probably a pool of, pool of 25 guys. But. Zubat's a starting center exactly. in the NBA. Exactly, and Zubat's a, a, a good team. center in the yeah. NBA wouldn't make the team. Crazy. It's crazy to think, man. And, you know, it's and like like we said, until you start putting names down on lists like this and, like, you see the actual influence that this hotbed of basketball has had on the sport, you can't really, like, put a number on it. But then when you see the influence it has on the NBA, it's crazy. Yeah, it really I mean, it, it'll for us always be that ultimate what if. But um, one thing that gives me, um, you know, comfort in that is the fact that all these players get along and recognize their heritage and the legacy that the players had before them. You know, there's really no ill will between any of these guys if they're Serbian or Croatian or Bosnian or what have you. Um, you know, Musa, when I talked to him, he was he was super proud and happy of, of Luca and Luca has a great friendship with, um, you know, Boban and, and, and Jokic and all these guys get along. So, which makes it, you know, this hypothetical even more, um, I think appealing because, you know, I think even they've thought about it, you know? I feel like everyone in the ex Yugoslavia thinks about it though. No, I, I feel like that's the ultimate what if. Um, I think we've all realized that, that, you know, the stuff that happened was horrible, you know, during the, the, the 90s. And there's like, what if it never broke up? What if we all stayed as one nation? You know, I certainly feel like we wouldn't be in, in America. <laughs> no, we certainly wouldn't, man. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, and, that's that's obviously uh, a weird weird thing to think about. As is, we wouldn't be speaking this language right now. We'd probably be doing a a podcast in, all in Bosnian. Um, well, you'd only be half an hour away, probably, from and um, <laughs> you for no reason. Um, but yeah, life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, just on this this podcast episode alone, we've come up with a couple of. Um, with the t-shirts, Budek boys being one and the Tony Kukoc quote being another. <laughs> no, but it's like, like, like I've said, and this has been amazing. Um, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, it's taken our mind off some really deep stuff that's happening in the world at the moment. And I, I know you as well think so. And I, I hope that it'll help everyone else take their mind off it. And, I hope you've learned something as well. Um, not obviously um, in a bad way, but like, you know, the ex Yugoslavia is very important to me and Ben, you know, being from Bosnia, though, obviously we have a dearer part, you know, a dearer connection and affiliation to Bosnia. But in general, that area of the world is very important to us. And I'm sure you, you agree with me, Ben, um, to, to be able to share this history and heritage with people that may not know, may not, not have known this. Yeah, I it's think, you know, just being well. from, you know, I, I equate it kind of like how, you know, people from Chicago um, love players from Chicago and they follow them all throughout their career. And people from Seattle, how they ride with Isaiah Thomas and Jamal Crawford and the guys that come from Seattle and how New York basketball, how all the people from New York love the New Yorkers who've made it to the NBA. And it's, you know, it's even closer to us given how, you know, seemingly impossible it is for, you know, a Bosnian kid to make it to the NBA the fact that there are, you know, a couple in the NBA is, you know, um, you know, we're really proud of those kids and the way they've they've represented um, our country and, and everyone from that region, you know, not to take away from anyone else. Obviously, everyone's had um, a great deal of pride to be had in. Um, Luca's been been tremendous and a great, great role model for, you know, not just 
kids from the ex-Yugoslavia region, but just basketball fans in general, um, just really fantastic people. It seems people with great senses of humor. We talk about Jokic a lot. He's a goofball, Marjanovic and all these guys. Um, I, I don't know. I think we have a lot to be proud of. Um, I think we have to continue to, um, you know, keep the legacy of Petrovic and, and Vlad Divac and Tony Kukic and, and all those guys alive and, and keep repping that, that region because, you know, truth be told, you know, not to go on a, on a rant or anything like that, but, you know, the people who actually represent the country, the, the political powers that be, um, particularly in, in Bosnia, um, not just particularly in Bosnia and Serbia as well. Um, I mean, look, all across that region. Um, don't do the best job of showing who the people are. And we're a prideful people. We have a lot to be proud of. We have a deep, um, successful um, history, a history that's worth celebrating. And these players, you know, we have obviously a passion and a love for basketball. And to see them carry that history along with them and promote it as well as they do, um, you know, it makes me super proud. And, and once this pandemic is over, you know, I'm excited to keep watching Luka dominate, keep watching Jokic grow, watch Nurkic's return. Um, hopefully, Janan Musa is released <laughs> at some point, let him play. Um, but, you know, we have a lot to be proud of, you know, to wrap it up from my end. Do you mean that we don't enjoy watching Musa <laughs> drop like forty and all the G? Yeah, man. I mean, that's open up the can again. But I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. But Garrett Temple's getting playing time over him. Wilson Chandler, these guys, boggles my mind a little bit. I don't understand it. Like this was a perfect year for Brooklyn to continue their development of young players. While you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant was going to be not ready for this year. And to not play people like Kuroch and Musa sparingly, I just don't understand it. My brain doesn't. He'll get his due at some point, I'm sure. Uh, you know, there's teams probably chomping at the bit to scoop him up if he does get waived or if, if they trade him at some point, which seems like an inevitability unless whoever they hire at head coach wakes up um, and realizes that he can contribute at a high level because obviously he can. He's been doing it in the G League and that translates well nowadays. To produce in the G League, you tend to do at least a decent job producing at the, at the next level. So, and he's still obviously very young, a ton of potential there, loads of confidence. That's not an issue for him. Um, so I'm excited to see him eventually get his chance and, and really just, just, you know, anxious for basketball to get back, um, in general. Do you want to hear a little bit of a tidbit, a bit of a yes, like, side chats exclusive about Musa? Um, obviously, for people that for people that don't know, I, I do coach on Janan Musa's camps um, during the summer in Bosnia. Um, so you know, I can attest to Janan being a great person first and foremost, and secondly, he was made untouchable in the trade, the signing trade that Kevin Durant had when he went from Golden State to Brooklyn. Um, so. That boggles my mind even more that, you know, you make him untouchable in a type of trade that Golden State wanted him in a trade like that. And then you don't let him play. I just don't, my brain That's probably a, a sense really of, possible. hey, they probably know something we haven't yet realized. Um, you know, we, we didn't talk about Alan Smilovic either, um, who plays. Um, yeah, we, we completely forgot about him, exactly. but you know, obviously they realize that that kid's talented and can contribute. Um, they do a really good job of finding um, gems and, and hidden places. And maybe Brooklyn was just worried about getting, um, you know, getting uh, robbed there if they lost Musa and, and watch him thrive in a system like Golden State, which he probably would have, and it would have been good for his career had he ended up there, especially since you know, Clay and Steph and all these guys were out. He would have had a chance to play there and probably had a chance to contribute and showcase his talent. So they, they might have just, you know, been worried. You know, it's it's such a shame for the guy. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, like you say, we will, we will see him contribute in the NBA more. Anyway, Ben, I just want to thank you once more for coming on. If you can just tell the people where they can find your work and where to find you on Twitter. Yeah, so I do. Uh, I cover the Washington Wizards for the Washington City paper. Um, 
uh, right now we're not <laughs> writing anything about the Wizards, given you know the madness that's been happening throughout the world. But you can follow me on Twitter too, uh, you know, Ben Mahich NBA. Um, if you want to read or not see any tweets basketball related for you know, hopefully not much longer, but I'm there. Um, you know, I appreciate you for letting me talk about Yugoslavia basketball, uh, reminisce a little bit and talk about the what ifs. Um, hopefully the listeners who, who took a chance and, and gave us a listen here learned a little bit of something or reminisced with us. Maybe um, if we forgot about any player or you think we should have mentioned someone or whatever the case may be, let us know. I'm definitely interested to hear your feedback on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take the feedback. We'll tell you you're wrong, but we'll, we'll take your feedback. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You can find me at Alan Damage 03. Um, yeah, you can, you know, please give this podcast a, a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We are now a Stitcher Premium affiliate. So if you use the pod, the, the, the pre- promo code Lakerside, um, it will give you one free month to Stitcher Premium. I use it myself. It is a fantastic platform to continue with all your podcast listening and whatnot. So I highly recommend it. Thank you so much once more for listening. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Have a good evening. We recommend it. Thank you so much once more for listening. Stay safe. Wash your hands.